Captain's Log, Stardate 74898.3. A mysterious message from across the quadrant has me and my strategic operations officer perplexed. Meanwhile, whispers of unknown origins have populated the station. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain. I'm Captain Jason McKinney. And I'm joined by some guy that I met at a Chick-fil-A somewhere between here and Tennessee and I don't know. He he looked kind of questionable, but I'm like, hey, he looks like a good guy. I'm gonna pick him up. And that's that's you know him, Lieutenant Commander David. How you doing, man? Good to see you again. Yeah, I was the guy with the chainsaw on the side of the road. Oh no, he's cool. He's fine. <laughs> he's totally he's fine. He's probably just cutting wood. It's great. That's right. <laughs> I think that was a commercial or something like that at one point for some <laughs> stupid. I don't know. Anyway, it just popped in my head. That sounds. Yeah, how's it going? Sounds legit. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. We're we're officially in June. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's wild. It's it's absolutely it's absolutely insane. I think we're all still in, you know, <laughs> or at least I am in in like lockdown or, you know, whatever pandemic mindset. So here here's here's to uh, here's to twenty twenty two. Cheers. <laughs> here's here's to, here's to next year. I know a lot about uh, about wait for next year's being a, a Cleveland Browns fan, you know, for the majority of my life. So it's just it's just the way it goes. <laughs> so David and I we were we were just talking uh, briefly about like uh, some other star stuff recently and like the the nuances of it. And just before we we hit the record button, uh, you know, like I recorded this on different devices and stuff, but. Uh, for like our video portion of this, there's like this random lady that just starts saying, "Meeting is now being recorded." And I'm like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't yeah, invite you, you to the party. Own, yeah, you had your own computer voice. <laughs> just, <laughs> who coincidentally was, you know, she, it, the the computer for at least uh, at least through next gen, wasn't it? Was voiced by the 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 actress who played Loxana Troy who was also married to Gene Roddenberry and I can't remember her Majel Barrett thank you I couldn't remember yeah. her name for the life of me but it's very topical seeing as you know <laughs> the particular topic we're going to be talking about today so right we had right. our very own Loxana Troy just you know saying hey do you opt into this meeting sure whatever fine yes you can record me I promise I won't do anything cringy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I was going to say, like when I heard that spoiler, I mean, like, by the way, like that's what's up for all the Zoom users out there, especially if you're in um, higher learning and you're having to do classes now. Like, this is my concern that just came from like that, you know, half second little computer voice is what do I do if I have a student that does not want to opt in to the class? I mean, yep. I can give them a zero for participation. Sure. But like, that's. That's potentially a problem. Maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. I don't know, but I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> well, yeah, or when I 
when I have all my team on on Zoom or something when I'm trying to tell them something for No, I don't I don't I don't opt in to having this team meeting today. It's like you will Absolutely. opt in or I will make you opt in. Mm-hmm. Guess you're not getting your paycheck this week. <laughs> sucks to be you. Well, well, don't you worry about it because here pretty soon we're going to be rotating in the office and then I'll have to look at you. Then you have to wear pants. That's true. Yes, you have to wear pants, uh, preferably not pajama pants. Yes. Actually, most certainly not pajama pants. <laughs> I hate I hate Zooms, by the way. I, I hate them so much. Not because it's not a cool piece of technology. Uh, it's no else, you know, I mean, whatever, it's happened before. But anyway, um, it's cool, but it makes people legitimately forget everything. Their surroundings, their body, their you know their voice they don't their tact it's all gone in the blink of an eye we were on yeah. a meeting uh, the other day with like one of our like high up executive folks sure talking about returning to the office the amount of people that just forget to to hit mute is astonishing now that we're over a year of doing this um, somebody was like running water <laughs> you know you just hear in the background uh you know i've heard birds i've heard all mannerisms of different animals tiger kings walking through you know i don't know man it's, it's just wild how unaware people are it's crazy well have you seen i mean like since we're talking about this i think it was a about a year ago and some change you know like that you know we're getting used to like zoom and just teleconferencing more and more and there was i think a video that went somewhat viral I want to say, and it was, um, I think a student, like a, like a, a non-traditional student or something like that. And they're, they're, they're holding their laptop and they're in a lecture, right? They're, they're in a lecture and they're carrying their laptop with them to the bathroom. And <laughs> the student like drops trow, sits down on the toilet and the whole class, including the professor, see it <laughs> like, really, how can you, oh my God. I mean, you can turn your camera off, people. So, so the more you know, by the way, if you if you have to take your phone with you or your laptop with you, just to the restroom, to whatever, just turn the camera and the microphone off. I, I don't know, man. Sounds a lot like American prudism right there, you know, just being a prude. What? You don't want to see me poop? I'm just saying, you know, it's natural. It's 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 it happens in nature all the time. Everybody poops. <laughs> It's it's insane, dude. It's insane how, how people just lose their minds. So, oh. but we'll see. I think things are kind <clears> of <throat> ebbing towards uh, hopefully getting back to normal. But I we still have so. to do this unless I can get get down to your neck of the woods. It's not That's like we true. live just down the street from each other. So no, but I would love it, man. If if we were ever able, you know, to get together, either me and you or me, you and Eric, all get together, you know, every now and again and record. That'd be fantastic. I would, yeah, I, would I mean, I, th- I think we definitely will. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I've said it enough on all the mediums that I talk to or talk with and so forth. You know, I, last year was supposed to be a big travel year. This year, I was like, well, we're going to pick up. Nope, not really, not so far. Um, next year, uh, things are already booked. So I need to, I need to get out and do stuff. Yeah. Before I'm just too too old and too old and cringy to do it, you know. <laughs> By that time, I'll be wearing 
what do old people wear nowadays? Because like the young, young people, super young people are like wearing 90s clothes. Like, you know, my mom wore. <laughs> I don't get the. Oh. <laughs> I what, like what's what, what's what's the converse? What's like the super old, like boomer style? Is that like are they still wearing like, uh, you know, like uh, high cargo pants and like Doc Martens or something and like, uh, you know, still polo? T- is that still like old, old boomer wear? <laughs> Is, is wearing a polo shirt is wearing a polo shirt really a boomer thing? Well, I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily know about that. I, I wear them in the office because I don't really care for button downs myself. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a dress clothes person like like at all. Um, but no, I don't know. I just I picture it, no. I guess it would I guess it wouldn't be a polo. It'd probably be like some random T-shirt from like the Grand Canyon or something. <laughs> That's what I remember my grandparents wearing is like. You know, a little bit higher, like tan cargo shorts, and and they both like wore the same thing, and then like a T-shirt from wherever they had just traveled to or from. Sure. And and well, I mean, trucker hats have kind of made a resurgence, but then you know it was always like those sort of uh, plastic back cap anyway. Right. So yeah, when it, when I whenever I get to travel, I'll, I'll try and get some old boomer wear on. Uh, right. It'll be it'll be great. And, uh, and, and I'll, honestly, I'll probably fit in better. <laughs> probably. I'm telling probably. you, that, it's, it's wild. I'm just waiting for, uh, for Tommy Hilfiger to make a, um, a comeback, you know, because, like, I swear, <laughs> that was, like, the thing to wear. Like, you were, like, top yeah. tier if you had, like, Tommy Hilfiger that you were rocking. Like, Tommy Hilfiger polos, button-ups, pants, sneak- yes, sneakers, uh, the cologne, the perfume, all the things Tommy all the things yeah i do marvel in how how like vans and converse are still so popular i've always found them to be the most uncomfortable flipping shoes they're they're super uncomfortable for me i don't like vans i don't like vans i like um i like uh what, what is it the um like the ankle like uh Converse ones, like you know, like not not the high tops, but like the the ones that like come right okay. to your ankle. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty darn comfortable. But I, I I got like big feet. I mean, I'm like a size 13, so like I look like a clown whenever I wear them. And like the only time <laughs> I I really wear them, I would really wear them was whenever I was like cosplaying the Tenth Doctor, like at a con or something. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I have a boot collection, a, a cowboy boot collection. <laughs> And like some hiking shoes, did <laughs> and I a ever, pair of running and a pair of running shoes? I don't have many fashionable shoes anymore. <laughs> did I ever tell you my story about my cowboy boots, like how I got them? <laughs> I don't think so. You tell okay. yours, and then I'll tell you my my dead man's boot story. Oh, this will be great. Here we go. Okay, so <laughs> so um, I've always wanted like ostrich boots I think a lot of people that have boots like want ostrich boots and there's like different styles like different appearances of them and I want to say it was like around 2013 or 14 um, I was living in Dallas and I got some money for Christmas um, like to go pick out my own boots and stuff so I go to this boot store not too far from where I lived at the time and um, I go looking and by the way, like ostrich boots are like ridiculously expensive, like ridiculously oh, yeah. expensive. Yes. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I find a pair that I like. 
and like it's got the color and everything that I want. It's like kind of like a cherry look um, that I wanted, um, and like a dark brown like uh, like leg to it and stuff. So I, I go and I get it, um, and I pick it out, and I see like holy shnikes, these are retail like I think it was like five six hundred dollars something like that at least. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But then um, I go and I talk some more to like one of the, um, the the sales reps and they're like oh yeah that's on sale and on clearance and I'm like wait you can have both what so a boot that was like originally like six or seven hundred some odd dollars I ended up getting it for a hundred and fifty oh wow that's nice that was a steal dude and I yeah, still have them and they're so comfortable so comfortable yeah, a good a good pair of boots lasts forever. We have a, a place in uh, down in Columbus, Ohio, called Rod's Western Palace, and uh, yeah, all the boots and and the hats. Okay. I don't think I do. I don't think I pull off the hat, but I've always like wanted to pull off the hat. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, boots boots are crazy expensive, but you get a good pair, they'll last you forever. Absolutely. My dad like knew someone that worked at. Um, I can't remember where it was. If it was like a Cavenders or, or some other joint, but um, his I think it was his cousin that worked there, and his cousin was um, able to like extend like an employee discount type of thing oh, to him. Nice. So my dad bought like I think four pair of boots like with like square toes on them and stuff, and like man, they look nice. So he's got like dress boots and he's got work boots, um, and goodness, like I'm like, can I get on get it on that dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. yeah, that's always the thing in the office, you know, because like d- dress shoes, they I, I, I have really wide feet. So this is real. I, I wonder if this is very interesting for people. But anyway, uh, <laughs> let's hear I, the dead I, man's I story. A, well, I, I have a, I have a set of boots for the office, too. But yeah, so I mean, the, the dead man's boots is not necessarily the greatest story in the world. I, I didn't like have a Wild West shootout or anything like that down in Mexico. You're doing it wrong. But, but anyway, um, no. So a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, he, he does, you know, maintenance and stuff. And what, what I was living with him for a while, uh, when we were both kind of getting back on our feet, you know, sort of deal. And, uh, one day he came home and he's like, Hey, uh, you, you, uh, you like cowboy boots, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, well, uh, you know, Hey, try these on, see if you like them. And they were like a really, really nice pair of you know sort of I don't know I guess they were a little bit darker brown but just really well made um, and pretty like form fitting and they actually fit like really really well it was it was huge happenstance it was like oh yeah these are great like do I owe you something it's like no 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 you just just have them it's fine and I didn't really ask him about it at the time and then like I don't know much later I, and I think this was his own little joke, you know, because like he, you know, I think we both had similar sort of like really patient sense of humors, you know. So, you know, I'm wearing the boots. I'm having a good time. They're nice boots. And uh, finally, one day he's like, yeah, so uh, you like those boots still, huh? He's like, yeah, yeah, they're good boots. It's like, you want to know where I got them? Well, I don't know, Steve. I, I don't know if I really want to <laughs> know where you got them, seeing as you're you're asking. So I said he worked maintenance. Well, he worked maintenance in a retirement facility. Okay. And one of the residents had died. 
And he had this really nice pair of new boots. <laughs> and the family, family didn't want them. So I wound up with a dead man's <laughs> pair of boots. <laughs> wow. Do you, do you still have the boots? Oh, no, they're, they're gone. You know, it was, it was one of those deals where I, this has been years and years ago. And I, I wore down the soles and I couldn't find anybody to like repair them. Because like apparently it's not a lost art, but it's really hard to find anyone around my area to repair boot soles anymore. Hmm. So the the last guy, I, I, I finally found a guy and he literally just retired. So I got to find someone else. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, hope you all enjoyed the little Western little romp that we went on. I mean, like Star Trek, Wagon Train to the Stars. It's a Western. It all circles back some way, somehow. Um, well, not too long ago, I, I did I did watch the the episode where Worf and Alexander get trapped in the holodeck and is in Alexander's Western program. That, oh, uh, fist, Barkley, fist. that yeah, fistful of datas. Yeah, that's a good so, one. That's a good one. Go. Well, June might get um, a little crazy with um, episodes and stuff, um, just because we, uh, my my wife and I, we are now on baby watch officially. So um, yeah, my my son is due this month, so pretty excited to meet him. Uh, just have no idea what that's going to mean for the show in terms of like recordings and getting stuff out. So we're gonna play it by ear and try and get as much as we can. Uh, before baby boy arrives or even what it's going to look like after he arrives so just be patient with us um, and since you've already been patient with us you know talking about you know zoom and you know defecating on a toilet and on a zoom call and you know boot purchases <laughs> see I, I think that i don't think this is chase's fault i think it's my fault because this is exactly what happens on my podcast like me and my brother wind up talking for like 30 minutes about nothing and we we had we had this it's still a running joke between us because like really early on some guy and it was on on the youtube when it when podbean would put the episodes on youtube he'd come on like three different episodes and be like no star wars for 17 minutes and then finally it was like no star wars for x amount of minutes i'm reporting you so <laughs> don't get reported chase well here we are 17 minutes <laughs> oh goodness 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 well david um let's talk about some some star trek stuff for, for once um so we we typically have you on because you are like the connoisseur of books and stuff, and you like talking books, and reading apparently is an important thing in people's life, lives. Yeah, I do enjoy reading, and I, I do. It's definitely important. I wish more people did read. And heck, with Audible, I mean, it's it's a lot more simple to ingest stories if you really mm -hmm. want to. So, right. And I did find, um, um, I don't know, like how much interest there would be. Maybe we'll put a poll up in the group. But uh, there's a brand new um, Star Trek Discovery book that came out. Uh, just a few weeks ago that uh, maybe we could um, plan on checking out. It's like about 11 hours, though, on, on Audible. I did see that. So it's it's a little bit of a dive uh, for people. Oh, if they wanna... hey, hey I, we, 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 I just finished Thrawn a few weeks ago, and that was 16 hours on Audible. So old Timothy's on likes to be a little long-winded sometimes. <laughs> I can dig it. I can dig it. So maybe, maybe we'll... Um, We'll work that in uh, maybe sooner rather than later just because it is a newer Star Trek book release and um, we are apparently a Star Trek show who knew 
But what was, uh, the last, what was the last new book we did? It was, uh, was Dark Vale. The Picard. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dark Vale. Yeah. yeah Dark yeah, Vale. Yeah. yeah. That was um, that came out I think early January, right? And and we in that episode we um, aired uh, January twenty seventh is when that one came out uh, for our show. Yeah. Wow. So so yeah, it's been a minute since we've had like new er Star Trek books to to talk about, and that's why we're kind of going back um, to stuff and. I was I was talking to or not talking to I mean I was interacting with some of y'all on the Facebook group about um, some of this stuff right about like um, this particular book that we're gonna be talking about today and uh, before I before I say anything else um, I know that we've been long-winded we've been having a good time just rambling about random stuff if this is your first time welcome we're Star Trek podcast we just talk about anything and everything Star Trek um, this is a Star Trek for you. Um, we're not gatekeepers or anything like that. So come on in, enjoy. Um, all experience levels are welcome. So uh, with that, um, Imzadi is a book that I've constantly been hearing about in the fandom over and over and over again. And uh, I mean, like for anyone that's seen, watched any type of Star Trek The Next Generation, you know that Imzadi is a thing that's between Riker and Troy, Commander Riker and Counselor Deanna Troy. So um, I had asked if anyone had ever read this, and there were a number of comments, and I want to highlight some of them right now. So uh, Katie Kleinhaus said, I read this years years ago, and I loved it. And um, Katie McKenzie said that it's a good book, and as it's its sequel, Imzadi 2, which I have seen that pop up here and there, so we'll probably have to tackle that one eventually too. Um, now, this one I do want to definitely, definitely highlight. Um, Rebecca Starks, um, friend of mine, a friend I met her through um, Katie actually at a con. Gosh, almost three some odd years ago, I want to say, and she loves Marina Sirtis, loves her, loves the Deanna Troy character. Um, has met her multiple times, tweets about her. So, I mean, she's a huge Marina fan. Um, So shout out to you, Rebecca. And she said, it's my favorite Star Trek book. And she said, fun fact, I just learned this is the only Trek book that Marina has actually read. (laughs) Really? Yeah. How about that, huh? You know, it's funny. When I was doing just, you know, I I don't do a ton of background research into stuff, but... uh, it's been rated really well, like across multiple rating platforms. Um, I mean, the lowest being like a 3.9 out of 5 from Goodreads. Apple Books, 4.8. Audible, 4.5. Google is like 93% liked it. I, I mean, that's that's pretty high in a book written in, uh, was it 92? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty wild. And, and this isn't, I, I mean, we're this is non-canon, correct? Right, non-canon. Okay, all right. Which makes sense on on a lot of levels that it's non-canon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll get to that. But I want to also say this: that Martin Martin Say also um, stated that just about everything Peter David, the name of the author, right, um, does everything that he does is good. In that, um, this is a book that he really, really enjoyed. That Martin really enjoyed. So, um, thankful to all y'all in the group for sharing your comments about this book so far. Um, this is one book, as, as we started this discussion, that um, I can't find this book, even at like a half-price books. And if I do find it like 
on um, uh, what's it called, like Amazon or Goodreads or Thriftbook or whatever. It's kind of expensive. Like Amazon, check this out. I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw this, but at one point I saw it for like six hundred dollars. This book <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> wow. I'm like, I know it's a good story, but come on now. <laughs> it seems a little excessive. So well, uh, and and j- just to just to clarify here, because I uh, through some of the reading I did earlier, um, this and Imzadi Forever are like the same book, correct? Yeah. So that's a good question. So for anyone that does try and get um, Imzadi Forever, it's what we call um, an omnibus. So it's the combination of Imzadi and Imzadi Two together, just in one oh, package. Okay. But yeah, I did see that, and that's a much more reasonable price. I think like I've seen some places it's like twenty or thirty bucks, which yeah, I can justify twenty or thirty bucks on a book compared to six hundred for one book. I mean, like like twenty bucks on a paperback, though. You know, just, it's fine. You're right; it should be fifteen, but it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so this this particular story um, takes us to. Really, the genesis, or what we're being led to believe is the genesis of the relationship between uh, Commander Riker and Counselor Troy. And this has been something that I've wanted to like learn more about, maybe see explored in different ways. So to me, like as we kind of go through this, like I found it pretty satisfying. Like just the mechanisms that were used throughout this book to see their relationship unfold how it did and like um, part of the story is is about righting wrongs so like there's that factor there's that ingredient in this story so we got to see um, like if we've seen um, Encounter at Farpoint we we know that they they meet up again like they've known each other prior to their first mission on the Enterprise D and but there's nothing really that's shown at all ever again Yeah, well, it was it was always it was always kind of a coy thing, you know. It's like you you totally know, but you you don't get to learn the the story. They're not going to tell you the story. You just you just know. It's like there's something there. Um, I always thought it was done really well in the show, and you even had you had parts in Next Gen where they where they came came together, and and even when they were having other relationship problems, they always kind of came back together but I mean you know from the Star Wars sort of side that I venture in a little bit more we are really super bad at getting to core stories sometimes or like backstories so it is nice to have a, a, a bit more of a backstory to it because I, I think um, I, I think kind of one of the common brush off lines was always uh, you know career Riker was career driven. That's it. And then, then they flirt <laughs> all the time. Right. <laughs> right. And he basically, in this book, we find out that he basically wanted to outpace James T. Kirk in terms of like getting yeah. to the captaincy. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, Riker. I understand why you like Riker so much. I understand why people in general like Riker so much. He, you know, he. He, he's not quite an enigma, but there's there's a there's a mu- there's much more depth to the character. He basically could have. I, I, my theory is, 
is that he wanted to model himself so much after Kirk, and then eventually he realized that that wasn't him, so he started to slow right. down, right, and try and become himself more than I don't want. I don't know, like an idol or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So there was a um, what was it? Um, I've talked to uh, Katie's husband about this actually at one point him and I used to listen to um, I don't know if he still does I don't anymore um, this other Star Trek podcast uh, once upon a time and they went episode by episode talking like in depth about each episode of every iteration of Star Trek and it got to the point of um, when Riker is offered his first captaincy and then like over and over again like he's offered like the captaincy and the hosts bring up this this uh, very valid question, uh, very valid point of, would you rather be the captain of this tiny little ship, right? Or would you rather be the first officer of the flagship? And I think you see like that kind of changing, especially like with how his relationship with uh, Captain Picard develops over the course of the series. And even like kind of the introduction that we're seeing in this and how that like that segue happens like I I get it like I think I would rather be a first officer on on a flagship which has much more influence than on a tiny little ship that maybe doesn't but at the same time like you do have to pay your dues you're not going to be stuck on a tiny little backwater ship forever I mean you're going to work your way up hopefully I don't know what are are your thoughts well I mean I I was going to say that like Picard so with the stargazer which he always described as, you know, run-down ship, not enough power, flying apart at the seams. Mm-hmm. I, 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 for me, I would probably have taken the command at some point. Not, you know, and I, th- I think for Riker, you know, you have a lot more to the Enterprisers. There's much more interpersonal relationships that were important to him. So I, 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 I wouldn't begrudge a decision like everyone else seemed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know. I've always sort of been one of those, you know, potentially fly by the seat of the pants, you know, try to control their own destiny type of thing. So, but um, I can definitely understand the allure of being on the the flagship, you know, being, I mean, because the first officer of the flagship is probably, and no offense to, to Captain Picard, but he is probably overall doing more than Picard does in a day-to-day basis. That's just sure. that's just kind of a reality sure. of, of that. It, you're you are basically like in in old like naval sense, you are the the captain of the admiral's ship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I can understand from Riker's perspective. I mean, that's well, essentially he was captain of the Enterprise briefly. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what, what happened to, uh, I mean, I know there's the argument of is it or isn't it canon, but I consider it canon, but the Picard Countdown comics were crying out loud. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, the comics that were the tie-in to the, the first season, um, we, we meet um, Rafi in the comics, and yeah. Rafi becomes like the, the XO for Picard, even though she's only a lieutenant commander, and he's a full four-pip admiral. So True. she's she's running the the ship operations essentially all the day to day stuff for Picard on the USS Verity in that particular comic. So, yeah, um, so yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, like whether you're on the Admiral's ship or you're on like like Starfleet's flagship, 
You know, like, yeah, like the, the, the executive officer, the first officer is going to be doing a lot, a lot. And I would, I would probably say that, and I know we're kind of getting off track, but I think there, this is a good point, that being the XO on the flagship is probably the same, if not more, as being a captain on some other small or mid-class vessel that's in operation. True. Well, then you also have the bit of the, like the Cisco curveball, where you could be a, a three-pip commander, but you're running a station as well. Right. I don't know. Would any? I wonder if anybody actually uh, actually would take a station. You know what I mean? I mean, not like, I mean, DS9, yeah, they had runabouts and then eventually a ship, but like, I'm just talking about like a station. I think that would be boring after a while, personally. <laughs> but It's possible. <laughs> I mean, just depending on where it is, you know. I mean, like, if it's over in Bajor, I mean, like, that's kind of, like, almost middle of nowhere type True. of type of thing going on. So, I mean, like, but, like, you got to remember that Cisco, and you're just, you know, restarting DS9 right now, that Cisco was about to leave. He was, Correct, yeah. He was, like, burnt out, you know, like, not too happy with everything going on, like, the loss of his wife, and, of course, yep. like, feeling betrayed by Picard. You know, by him being Lacutus back in the day, so I mean, he was he was at his wit's end, and he was ready to go. Yeah. And Starfleet was like, "No, no, no, you're going to do this, whether you like it or not." Right. And I think we got like one of the greatest captains in all of Star Trek as a result. One of the greatest characters oh, yeah. in Star Trek as a result. Oh yeah, agreed. So this, yeah, I, I just I just kind of wonder how many people would like. I, I you know, and I I don't remember the. Um, the station name from the uh, the the, tri- the Tribble episode, uh, uh, what, that? whatever that station was, and they were you know they're housing grain. <laughs> yeah. Would you want to be the commander of that particular station, the, the grain station? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's not no, that's not Starbase one. It's like K something. I want to say, <sighs> so Eric, like if you could, K seven or K, yeah. Eric, just tell us. We won't hear you, but just tell us, Eric. It's fine. T- telepathically tell us what we're missing speak speak to my mind eric speak <laughs> i can't hear it i'm not i'm not you're not beta betazoid i'm not betazoid all i keep i keep hearing imzadi no eric that's not what i want <laughs> you are not my imzadi i'm sorry to break your heart <laughs> i have an imzadi so seriously though like um on my phone um i have my wife saved as imzadi believe it or not nice so all right. Well, there are there are essentially what three time periods that we're we're dealing with in this book, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. So we're yep. dealing with um, the time in which Riker was a lieutenant. We're dealing um, in like what we would consider the present of Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, basically, like Encounter at Farpoint, a little bit beyond that, by by a little bit, and then the far future where Riker holds a much higher rank. And yep. um, what what do you think of of the way that the narrative was was going like with those three timelines in this particular book? Like how it was used. I mean, I I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was good. I, I I didn't have any issue with that. I will say just in the offset, the audiobook was pretty bad. Um the 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 pacing of the audiobook was was odd there were just there there it felt disjointed because we had we had the period where we're in 
the, I guess, I get, we'll call next gen the present. So then the future, and then it just cuts off and then we're in the past for like a long period of time, but we don't really go back to the future. And, and, and that's not on the book. That's on the, the cut of the audiobook, which was abridged. Um, and the volume was terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the volume on that was terrible, man. Oh, it was bad. But it was read by uh, by Frakes. And I think I, I was saying before this, Jonathan Frakes either really enjoyed reading this book or he really hated it. Like he, he, he there. I don't know which one it is, but it was one or the other. Sure, sure. <laughs> I could just see him go coming out of the booth, just being like, "Oh my god, what have I done?" <laughs> or popping out, man, that was a lot of fun. Where's my check? You know. <laughs> I mean, that's possible too, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're dealing with uh, 2350s, so about like 16, 17, 18 years prior to um, Next Generation era. So uh, we, have, we have Lieutenant Riker, we, then we have Commander Riker. And uh, this is the only thing I'm probably going, one of the main, only things I'm going to spoil, but we have a later Admiral Riker, just to kind of distinguish the period. So we have the Lieutenant era, Commander era, and the Admiral era, I guess. Maybe that's one way we can try and distinguish some stuff too. Um, yeah, that's good. And so there's there's this big to do about something that went awry with with uh, Deanna and Will. Something happened, and we got to figure out what the devil it is. Like that's the thing that drives the story, right? Like what happened? What the heck happened to this this couple? This that that called each other Imzadi at one point, and like suddenly everything has changed between them and they bring in um, a classic Trek character that we have also seen um, used more recently in, in um, other Star Trek mediums. And I don't, I'm I'm kind of okay with it. I'm kind of not okay with, I'm trying to speak kind of generally about the use of it. I think, I think, I think it's an easy way to, Uh, to time jump. I think that's I can't I can't really be any more non-specific than that. Really, <laughs> I, I I think it's just the easiest way to explain explain all the different time frames and so forth. Yeah, it was okay. You know, it was okay. It's 1992. It's fine. <laughs> you, I can't remember if you said that you were or weren't a fan of of. Um, time travel stories. I think you said you weren't. Not generally. So without like spoiling too much, I guess the way in which time is done in this book is very controlled. Whereas, and, and uh, listen, I don't know anything about time travel. I, I'm not a scientist. I don't claim to be some sort of, I don't know, what would you call a person who studies time for a living if that even is a thing or, or the field of that. But um, the, the way in which time moves here in this book is very contrary to how my simple mind would view it. Because it's one of those things where if you change something something in the past, 
it would immediately change something in the future. And if you time travel backwards, that future self potentially no longer exists because you've changed something in the past, the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you are no longer this future person anymore. And like, uh, like back to the future, you would fade away. I was about away. to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost instantaneously because the change has been made and the change in this book is would be very big if it weren't manipulated. Sure. So for me, that's the difference between the method of time travel in this episode or in this uh, book, than I guess traditionally how I see it. So it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit more introspective in, in, in my opinion. You, you can, you can kind of think through your your decision a little bit more before you either blank out or lose your memory or whatever ha- might happen. So what, um, you're right. I'm like, I'm not a, a temporal mechanics guy, temporal physicist <laughs> kind of dude. I can't even think of the word. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, like Star Trek like talks about this quite a bit, you know, in terms of like the, like the temporal, you know, prime directive, the temporal accords, temporal, this time travel, that, and like, there's like entire classes, I think at the Academy that cover like temporal mechanics and how it works. And I've obviously not taken that class yet. (laughs) Uh, But like, could it be that it was always intended? It's just like a weird, like wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of thing in terms of like how you look at it. Right. Like where, yeah. and, and, And without spoiling how this was done, I think that, I think that you're, you're on to the actual point of it though. So yes, I agree with that in the scope of how right. this whole that, thing had happened. So yeah, I, I can agree with that. That there's a certain linearity to how it played out. Yeah. So have we piqued your interest yet, people in listener land? <laughs> <laughs> now use code Chase for uh, your free <laughs> Audible membership. So <laughs> just kidding. We can do that. <laughs> we can do that. We can make up promo codes all day long. Oh man, that'd be great. Type in type in a David TCP to get 75% off your first 3 Star Wars books. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Cross promote baby, cross promote. Here we go. Uh, but yeah, like that's that's kind of what I was thinking about, but it did get very confusing in this book with like certain characters. So like with data, for example, data got yeah. confusing for me because yeah. we have data and then there's like a lie, but is there a lie? I'm not sure if there's a lie about it being lore, about it not being lore. That uh, that was actually something I was going to bring up because, uh, I, 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 again, like we, we try not to spoil a ton because you, you probably should just read more, um, but... Let's just say that this focal point in time has to be fixed. And the premise is, is that this is actual linearity and this has to be done. So, which I actually do believe to be true. So let's say future data has to go back and do something, make a decision. And the lie that he might tell is that he's lore or no, not he, it was, sorry, wasn't him. 
Admiral Riker tells. Does, and this was a question I had for you. Does present data even know about lore in the in like the beginning of next gen? Um, because lore doesn't come up until later, but right. Well, I mean, there's there's the whole data lore episode. Uh, True, but I, but was I mean, that wasn't that later though? That was, but that yeah, that was later, like season one, and then it was like more, like season two of stuff. Hold on, now I'm now I'm about to get myself in trouble. Well, Keep are, going. Are, are we are are we okay to like talk about like data's choice at least? I think we kind of have to. Okay, so the the. I guess that kind of leads into the focal point too. Do you want to talk about the focal point of time? <laughs> Let's like why we had to go back. Do we just want to like spoil the rest of it? Might as well. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tap dance around. <laughs> <laughs> so we find, okay, I'll, I'll be the one that ruins it for everyone. So we find out that the, there's this big falling out uh, between uh, Riker and Troy because there was this random death that straight up happened up out of nowhere and he got like stupid bitter. This is Riker got stupid bitter and he became someone he didn't really want to become and he's been obsessed yeah. with it essentially. I think that's pretty decent, right? Yeah. Okay. But the death was manufactured in the future and should not have happened and through the the time mechanism it was discovered that there were two parallel lines, one where it didn't happen and one where it did. And mm -hmm. the fix is to effectively collapse those timelines into one stream of linear time. Right. Now, data, however, future data, is convinced that he must basically carry out a murder. So that the time that he is in, that he believes is correct, continues. Yeah, he he wants so, to he, to maintain the timeline at all costs. At all costs, yeah. And that is really that's really kind of tough, and and it, and it's kind of talked about a little bit where what happened, what has happened to data in these what was it like forty years or something like that, 30, 40 years. Right. Yeah, thirty years because yeah, because by this point, I mean he's um, he's holding the rank of a commodore in. In the yeah, admiral, is, admiral era, yeah, which which is kind of odd. Did, did they really do much in the way of commodores in well, Trek? Well, I mean, look at um, Commodore O in um, Star Trek Picard. That was like okay, the, okay, true, 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 true. Yeah, yeah true. so but like yeah, that was like an intermediary between you know captain and um, admiral. Commodore is a tricky title because in America, like when when you're when you're talking about like really like old old you know, wooden boat stuff. A Commodore in the British Navy was a temporary title. It wasn't, it was the, uh, basically the equivalent to like a, uh, like a rear admiral, but you weren't, it was just a temporary thing that could be taken away upon your command dissolving. But in America, Commodore became an actual title and you know, there's cross. So I, I, I yeah, I'd forgot about uh, Commodore O, but but yeah, I mean, as far as as far as data goes, what has happened to him in these amount in this length of time that essentially overrides his 
you know, his moral code or his programming for so long. Because the only time we ever saw him, at least that I can remember off the top of my head, where we saw him basically ready to end somebody was when, um, oh, oh, no, I'm forgetting. But uh, he was, like, collected. Do you remember the episode where th- there was that collector and he was, like, kidnapped yeah. and put on display? And yeah, like, the, the guy the- had killed one of the other folks. He's like, I can't allow this to happen again. And then as he's beamed up, it's like, there was a weapons discharge data. I don't know what happened. Yeah, that was the episode of The Most Toys, and I think the character's name was uh, Kivas... Fajo. Uh, Fajo. Kivas Fajo. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, he was also Artie on uh, Warehouse 13. I, I love that show. Um, but yeah, so Data's had those sort of moral dilemmas a bit here and there, but you're you're not just talking about like random, like an enemy. You're talking about someone that he knows. Right. And, yeah. and that, that's that's difficult. And then the lie told to present data was that this is lore. And that's where I had this sort of, you know, thought. It's like, but does he? So he knows lore at this point? I thought that that came later. So that could just be a continuity thing or a showism or whatever. But Well, yeah, it's interesting because um, well, like the timeline that we jumped to, it... it, it if you don't pay attention, you get like real lost with like the timelines, right? Um, but like they jump to the Farpoint mission at one point. Yeah, they said something about they were like eleven hours into to Q's like twenty four hour time window, and then mm-hmm. we just stop and have this random mission, and then we continue with Farpoint, or did we get beyond that time frame at some point? Right, right. It's 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 confusing. It's definitely confusing. Um. We, we've we've been talking about like the the issue of of like time, the mechanism of time, as like how we we work our way through this particular story. But let's let's kind of pump the brakes for just a second. The we we were talking at the very beginning of this, like our actual discussion, not our ramblings, our actual discussion <laughs> about um, how they've played. Like the relationship is pretty coy, and i i want to I want to talk about like. Riker arriving on Beta Z and how that all unfolds. I really liked the storyline. I thought it was like very cheesy. I did roll my eyes at one point <laughs> yeah. um, going through this, but I, I, I had a very um, satisfied feeling about how how the Mzadi thing came about. What, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on a lot of that. I, I think that there were certain moments where I wanted to look back at the cover and make sure Riker didn't have long flowing Fabio hair. Uh, and it's definitely listed as like a romance novel, a sci-fi romance novel. Um, but no, I mean, it it was it was good. You know, it's it's too two younger kids uh, that aren't really ready for the serious relationship, but they they've they've totally had the love at first sight thing. They've had the, the soulmate level match and where like, you know, one person likes art and the other one doesn't understand it, but then he starts to understand why art's important. And she understands why, you know, confidence and command is important. And, you know, they bounce off. It's that yin and yang type of thing. Most of the time. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk blindly, but th- there are certain relationships that I've seen where, people are too alike 
you know sometimes you have to have a little bit of you know different glue to make that perfect JB weld you know what I mean <laughs> so so no th- there were some there were some cheesy moments but honestly it, it was it was pretty satisfying the only thing that I I wasn't particularly keen on and maybe it was just the reading and and you know maybe I would have had a different opinion if I had formed the voices in my head by reading the book but was was with uh, was with uh, Waxana. Okay. I just I, I thought that she came off as like I don't know, just different. I'm used to the character. I'm used to the on-screen character who's like, yeah, she's quirky, she's a little kooky, but you know, honestly, she she does once want what is best for. I mean, not just Deanna, but she also has a soft spot for Will too. I mean, I think you can definitely feel that. And and Picard and you know Data to an extent and Odo later on you know so she forms the connections but this Loxana just feels just felt a little off to me. She feel wooden to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was oh, and and maybe it was just Jonathan's reading because by the way Jonathan Frakes is the one that's reading this book by the way. So if you're a big Frakes fan, then get after it. And if, if you haven't. Listen how, to the how did audio. You, how did you like her, uh, or, or like his uh, Deanna Troy? Uh, it was all right. <laughs> it was all right. I, I, I remember <laughs> seeing interviews with uh, with Miranda Satiris where she's like, uh, at least at one point, um, she's like, I don't, I don't know how I came up with the accent for that. I don't even know that if I, I could really recall it all the time either. But it was very unique. Her her entire mannerisms in the show was 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 great, but it was mm-hmm. it was unique. Mm-hmm. So it was funny to see Frakes try and do all the inflections. <laughs> I I did enjoy um, his his take at Picard though. That's for darn sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even 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 Data too was kind of funny where he was trying to do like a kind of mechanical season one Data type of deal. That was yep. interesting. Yep. There, so with with the actual term Imzadi, you know, we're we're told in the show and it's reiterated here in this book that um, it has like kind of multiple meanings like a very surface level meaning is beloved um, or like my my chosen one uh, basically Um, but then it goes on to to say you know the Imzadi is the one who um, who first touched my soul basically the one who first touched my my inner self basically yeah Um, now I'm going to I'm going to sound kind of dumb for a second, but go with it on go with me on this one. When I was like, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the story cuz again, I can't find the book. I'm sure if I would have called on one of my friends, I probably could have gotten the book. But I'm listening to the story and I'm hearing about like the part in the story where the Imzadi thing becomes a thing for them. And Will uh he has this thought with this word that's emerging. And as I'm hearing it, I'm like, wait a second. So wait, did Will make up this word? And they just kind of adopted it as like their own like secret language, their own secret word or what? Like, so like that part, like I know it's beta. I know like in my knower that it's, it's a betazoid, a beta Z word. Right. Mm -hmm. But that just kind of played out kind of weird and kind of confusing to me in the moment as I was listening to it. um, Did you have anything similar to that or? Or get what I'm saying, or know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the the only the 
I, I do I do get where you're coming from on that because it it, it, it if I remember correctly it kind of came more through telepathy than it actually right. came from spoken word. I think the only thing that I, I also had uh, caught on to was in the very the very beginning of the book where he has a meeting with with Waxana in the the future. And she, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think she basically yells at him, you were Imzadi. You know what I mean? So I think it kind of connected me a little bit back to just Betazoid sort of than, than anything else. But yeah, it was, um, it did kind of re, uh, or listen, I guess more than read, but it, it, it sounded more like a, like almost, yeah, something mutually agreed upon by both of them, not just. Deanna being Betazoid, so yeah, like it just—it seemed like they made up the word. Like at least yeah. that's like how the performance was, right? Like if I read the book, like I'm sure there's more, more nuance to it, and I'm and I, I hope people aren't yelling at us because we were talking <laughs> about the the um, the abridged version, right? Yeah, sure. But like I'm sure if I read it, maybe there'd be more nuance, and it would probably flesh out a lot more with it. But like only being able to go off of what we got. I don't know. It, it didn't detract anything for me. It was just like one of those like, huh, question mark kind of moments. Well, I mean, the, the, the other thing, too, though, is that the way Deanna sort of even describes where they're at at that point is is not it's, it's not physical. It's not spiritual. It's both. It, it's it's a lot more. I mean, it, it's 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 animalistic, but it's also higher being type of stuff too it's way more than just saying you know i love you it is it is literally connecting uh, a connecting or an intertwining of soul than anything else and and i did find it somewhat interesting that the book even was a little bit more spiritual even towards the end of the book which trek has always kind of walked a very interesting line but between science and spirituality and uh, and so I thought that the very ending with with kind of Riker summing this up in his own mind was was, was fascinating to me. Just it, it seemed a, I don't know if it seemed contradictory to Trek in general, but it was it was a little different. But yeah, I mean I I get where you're going going with with the word because it just felt it, it felt very raw, but also a little bit more refined. It, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a, an interesting dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. And that was something else that I was going to point out is like what you thought about the whole um, Riker thing at the very end, uh, which that might be like I, I, that might some people might love it. Other people are probably going to really hate it, um, especially like with how you pointed it out with just the nature of Star Trek and how it deals with faith, religion, spirituality, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, and the thing is, uh, uh, the un- the unfortunate thing about today is everybody seems to have like a hot take, you know what I mean? Um, we Twitterify normal conversation, which I think is counterproductive and counterintuitive. Really, the thing about it is, is that spirituality has helped millions of people get over the the bad times in their lives, or addiction, or mental illnesses and stuff. It has also torn down civilizations as well when used in that form and fashion. It's a delicate line you walk, but with Trek, you know, I, I think um, it, it is an interesting thought 
the more advanced. Okay, let's say so. You know how we were supposed to know all everything about aliens like this month? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just say tomorrow we get some aliens that come down and like, hey man, I I remember uh, you know I want to hear that Ooby Dooby song you know from First Contact, right, little right. Roy Orbison in the jukebox you know. That's right. Uh, we we need to dance and you know and drink whiskey and launch some launch some rockets. It'll be super sweet. And then we just become this like crazy advanced civilization. Let's just say that happens tomorrow. Do we leave behind the religion? Do we leave behind the idea of faith and spirituality? I don't think that that's necessarily something that automatically happens. But I wonder if you slowly and gradually continue your scientific meddling and so forth, that that can kind of drift away. But then you have the converse with like Bajor. Bajor actually sort of has like physical, physical entities that they can look to who are nonlinear kind of godlike beings. Right, right. That they equate to being their gods, their spiritual leaders, and yeah. they have like their own Mecca pilgrimage type stuff that they engage in. Yeah. So which, I, which I is the, war, the, the celestial temples, like where they go. The, yeah, correct. But, uh, I mean, the only thing that I will say is it, it, I did feel a little, a little tiny bit like it felt out of place coming from Riker. And the only reason I say that is because he has never really, or at least not that I can remember, he's never really said anything like that before. So it's not wrong. It just felt a little out of place for him at that current time. And the only reason I can necessarily think about that or think that he would maybe sort of bring to that is because he has had a very hard 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has, he has been on, on the cusp of just having like a terrible, terrible time without his other half. And sometimes when you, when you face those challenges, you look for something more, Yeah, you know, but it was an interesting, it was interesting. It, it was, it was different. It was different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad, but it was, it was different. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder like what had happened like if we're talking about like the 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 I don't know if it's called bootstrap or if it, or what it is but like you know the linearity the weird wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff <laughs> of of what we're dealing with in this story on how that has impacted him like what I mean we're fixing something but we're not fixing it so like we're kind of like juggling these two identities that are kind of coming into sync with one another uh, at the conclusion of this particular story. So, like, what happened that we didn't see combined with what we did see that got him to this point to where he's making the statements that he is about right. about these things? It's it's a very it's a very interesting and slightly provocative um, yeah. thing to to undertake with this particular character. Well, and another thing, uh, you know, you, you probably remember better than I do. Um, the other instance, the the first instance of this particular type of time meddling, those people remembered it, right? They remembered the events that happened. They, they didn't just go back and never remembered it again. I believe so, yeah. Okay. So the potential is, is that now Admiral Riker is going to remember everything that happened. 
but also be living in a different, like there's going to be differences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, some man. Weird, some weird <laughs> it's stuff. It's a weird thing. Some weird stuff, I mean, yeah. With, with the first instance, we're, we're talking about like current time. Riker's living with like, like 30, 40 meddled years. Right. I mean, that like might get a little bit crazy. I mean, I think the next, the, one of the closest things that I can think of where that, that sort of thing happened is with data, right. In, um, cause uh, and effect. I think that was the name of the episode Yeah. where like the Bozeman and like, was it, was it the Bozeman that they kept crashing into? And, uh, Riker had, or not Riker data had to come up with like this plan of like, how to know which plan was correct. So like it was Wasn't the that three. Kelsey grammar. Yeah. Cap- yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think of that as like a, like maybe the most close, like red, the one that's coming to mind most readily for like, what's prob- the most comparable, but I'm going to step outside star Trek for a second. And, um, some of you Stargate SG one fans might appreciate this, but, um, the series finale of, um, Stargate SG one is called unending. Um, did, are you an SG one fan, David? Yeah, I mean, I've watched through the entire series at least, uh, probably at least twice. Uh, I don't remember the later seasons as much because, I mean, they didn't have all the characters that I liked in them. But, you know, it was I gotcha. But uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the very ending. I, that's probably something I need to run back through again. So with unending. Um, there's like this, like they're they're kind of stuck in this temporal bubble, like where they're kind of like saving, like I think like one second, like or however many, whatever the time frame is, right, from like being destroyed and all life in the universe going kaboom, basically because of replicators. Um, but Teal'c has to play, has to make the sacrifice play, so he he basically has to eat up. Um, was like a hundred, like not a hundred years, but it's like a long time. So he ends up being like close to 200 years old when it's all said and done. And he has to remember all the things. So like, there's like some parallels, like with sci-fi, I think sci-fi does this kind of thing a lot where like part of it is like, yes, we can fix the future and we can fix the present, but someone's got to hold on to the pain of it um, at the same time. And, and maybe new ad and maybe that's the case i mean in terms of like how this story is written that new admiral riker and lieutenant riker and command like new admiral riker has to hold on to it but lieutenant and commander riker don't right yeah true that that's confusing yeah, there is there, there is a, it's not really a great parallel but i mean there was the one episode where um Oh man, I wish I wish I remembered things a little bit better. But you know, I, I watch a lot of this stuff, and then there's only so much my my little brain can retain. I have too many hobbies. Um, if I if I'm remembering correctly, because there there was the the I think it was Romulans that had captured Riker. Wasn't that the scenario where they captured Riker and then like put him in the future or something like that? Oh, you were sick, and it uh, you're not remembering anymore. So now you have to remember. Future imperfect, I think. I think that's okay. what it's called. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be that extreme, but it would be. It would be kind of interesting to see what the the little differences are. That he's like, <laughs> God, what if he did have a kid? Uh, he just he just walks in, you know. Oh, there's a there's a kid here. I didn't know about that. What? How could you <laughs> not know about that? 
He's your son. It's like, ah, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, the episode is called uh, Future Imperfect. I got it right. Eric, are you proud of me? I got an episode right on the fly. Look at that. <laughs> Goodness. Man, oh, man. Well, anything else that's kind of coming to mind? I know we've kind of been jumping, all, jumping around talking about this story, but was there anything else that you wanted to highlight before we start to wrap things up? Uh, you know, there there was one other thing that I think is is good. I think it's good to talk about, and especially more because you have um, more background in some of the sort of psychological effects of how people deal with things. But I did think it was um, it was a good play to write this out. So in in the story, I mean, even in current time frame where Deanna and Riker go their separate ways. In this book, you know, Riker was kind of told unceremoniously. It's like, no, you can't, you can't be with my daughter. And Dan's like, oh yeah, we're two different, blah blah blah. And then Riker deals with it in probably the worst way possible. Uh, you know, he he turns the bottle and then turns to another woman, who is very eager. Uh, and then Deanna comes back and said, I was ready to you know, effectively change my entire world for you, but it's clear that, you know, you're not ready for that. Um, and, and, you know, when I read that, I was like, you guys are both wrong. There, there's no right or wrong here. You're both wrong. Riker's wrong for being, you know, he's pretty weak. I mean, at this point, he, he's, he's pretty weak. He's still very yeah. young. He's still very immature. And he ran back to the only thing that he thinks in his James T. Kirk mind brings him comfort, which is the wrong thing. However, in Deanna's sort of development here, she's very intellectual about things, but she doesn't have enough real world experience to translate that. And I think that that's, that was the point in her learning in this book. Yeah, but I'd agree. But she also makes the mistake of completely pushing him away. And I think knowing how he is and almost like I don't I don't think it was a test but like it's one of those things where at their at their level of development I don't know what you expect out of Riker when you're telling him unceremoniously that we're not going to be together mm -hmm. especially after such a crazy connection when they probably weren't even ready for that 100% mm -hmm. right so I did think that was a that was a really interesting part of of kind of the backstory of them and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you view that from, you know, the standpoints of your, your learning and everything, but I just, I thought it was good, a good inclusion. Well, I, I won't like go like crazy in depth with it, but whenever, like, I don't, I'm not going to call like any of this stuff like addiction, but like, like, let's just say for a second it is okay. And like, let's just say for a second, like you're, you're trying to go cold turkey or maybe you've gone. X number of weeks or months from not doing the thing that you normally do. There's a, um, a term out there um, that I've used that others have used um, in my field called extinction bursts. I don't know if you've ever heard of, a, heard of that term at all. An, extin an extinction burst is whenever, uh, and I'm going to try and paint this very generally, um, an extinction burst is essentially whenever you've kicked a habit or started to kick a habit and you're you're on the right path you're on the straight and narrow so to speak and then you just start to revert back to it basically um, 
thus an extinction burst. Like it, like your brain, like knows, like the structures of your brain know, the chemicals of your brain, and the pathways and stuff know that there's a habit that's trying to be uh, formed, and that, that's tr- um, and that one that's trying that you're trying to make go away, and. It's, it's grasping at life is really what it's trying to do to get back to that fix, to get back to that process, that drug, that whatever it is that you used to do. So again, that's a very general description of what it is. And maybe there could be a case for um, Riker, like having, and Deanna, to a certain extent, having these extinction bursts with what's going on. I don't think it is, but that maybe that's like the closest thing from like a... Uh, a counseling psychological kind of vantage point to start to talk about it um, because you're right like they're they're used to certain ways of doing things like they have like their worldview they have their own paradigms in terms of like what it is they do how they interact how they function around other people and what they feel uh, fulfills them feels like you know what fulfills them what gives them meaning and stuff and they like they're yin and yang it's oil and water at this point and they've they realize that this is what they want that they are each other's imzadi but there's and they they want to move towards it but there's this call back to these things that you're highlighting as well maybe i'm talking all over myself i don't know but that's that's kind of how i'm thinking through it and making sense of it it. I, i think it makes sense personally I just thought it was I thought it was good that they kind of explored it. A, a lot of times you you can get a little bit more rosy endings or a little bit more glossed over stuff. So it had a lot of the um the romantic side, but it also had a lot of the uh the you know the darker side that can happen in, in relationships, but ultimately we know at least unless somebody chooses to change it mm-hmm. that it winds up for the better in the mm-hmm. long run. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great book. I would I would definitely recommend this um, this book, this story. Um, I can only really recommend the audio book because that's what we listen to. <laughs> but the story, I can recommend the story. I think this is a great story um, for people to check out, um, especially people that are fans of, of Next Generation um, and fans of Jonathan Frakes, Mir Sirtis, you know, Troy, Riker, all that Imzadi stuff. So good story. No Big doubt. fan. So, um, I would probably give this, uh, if I'm doing like an out of five, like star rating kind of thing, um, I would probably give this, I would probably give this four stars. I'm thinking four stars on this one out of five. How about you, David? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think four stars is, is pretty fair. I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I, I do I, I you know I kind of wonder if that would be higher if if I was actually able to like read through a copy of it. But I think as it stands, it, there's enough there's enough thought provoking stuff and and I think just the right amount of backstory. Not like trying to overdo it. it I mean, it's a it's a very good solid book. Yeah. It's it's not. I mean, it's got like some cheese factor, which I think you need um, at some yeah. points in like Star Trek and Star Trek storytelling. But it's got depth to it. Um, oh, oh, hold on one second. We forgot. I forgot about the one like ridiculously inappropriate joke. Ah, uh, 
You talked about cheese. Uh, what was what was that guy? The the sergeant. Sergeant was it was it Tang? I think it was. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, as Deanna's leaving, he's just like in the hallway. Nope, just let him go. There's a there's a star out there for every officer, or whatever the heck he says. Like, shut up, Tang. <laughs> oh my god, no. Uh, uh, it was a different time. The nineties was a different time. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, oh, still a good book. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely check it out. Um, would you? I mean, would you be interested in um, tackling Imzadi two eventually? Yeah. Why not? I think that that's supposed to kind of go in the future, correct? Right. I think that's supposed to deal more with like Worf. Yeah. So like the Worf Riker Troy love triangle. I haven't read it. I've seen the cover, and I've read like a brief description of it, and I just know it has something to do with Worf and Deanna. That's all I got. Listen, listen. All I have to say is, something should just never happen. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> oh, man, man, oh man. Well, we'll get back and we'll talk about some more books uh, later on down the road. Um, David and I will. We'll come back uh, hopefully next month um, and and talk about something else. So I um, hope you'll, you all in listener land enjoyed this. Um, do you want to do a quick plug for your podcast and what you got cooking uh, for your show, David? Yeah, sure. So uh, as I've probably said on here a couple of times, I do a Star Wars podcast called the Contingency Plan Podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are, wherever you choose to listen. I'm pretty sure I've... I've disseminated it everywhere, including YouTube, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a Star Wars podcast. We talk Star Wars stuff. Um, you know, right now, as of this fixed point in time, we're going over the Bad Batch series, uh, along with a lot of comics. There are a lot of comics that we just got really backed up on, and I, you know, I'm not. Me and my brother are not comic guys, really, but we just started to see that there are a couple of really interesting stories here and there, so we we're just running through that. Um, and then, yeah, we we talk books too, old series, new series, non-canon, canon, and uh, any you know current news, movies, shows, all that good sort of stuff. So yeah, kind of a little bit of like what we do here as well, but. Um, there's a lot of talking. Our episodes have been really long. <laughs> Lately, they've been really long. It's been kind of embarrassing. But uh, anyway, it's a good fun time. It's two brothers talking Star Wars, so that's that's the gist of it. But you can find it wherever you find podcasts, and you know, follow us on the Twitter at TC Plan Podcasts and all that good stuff. Gotcha. All right, cool. Well, it's always a pleasure having you on, David. Always enjoy the conversation with you, and um, looking forward to next time. So again, thank you. Um, as we as we move forward, um, as we call it a day, uh, pull into dock, whatever we're doing, I don't know. Um, we'd love to to you know have the conversation continue. Like like I highlighted um, early on in our discussion, we had some great comments about this book. So um, hop in our, our Facebook group, send us a tweet. Um, uh, we've kind of been a little dormant on um, Instagram. Need to fix that. To be completely honest with you. Uh, but a lot of conversation, picture sharing, just good old fun community building. Uh, we're small, but we're mighty uh, when it comes to our group. So uh, come check us out. Continue the conversation there. Uh, leave us a comment um, on on these episodes. 
Um, so we know if you like what you're hearing, basically. Um, if we don't hear from you, we're just going to probably keep on doing whatever the heck we want to do. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners. Uh, if you do want to interact with us, you can go to trtvpod.com, find out all the information there um, on how to connect with us. You can send us questions there. There's a link for merch. We have some sweet sweatshirts, T-shirts, and all sorts of different things um, that you can find there and purchase there. And um, if you're a patron, you get some other sweet deals um, in the shop too. So um, check us out. Uh, If you just want to email us, trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a uh, three-minute voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. And um, if you want to write to us, you know, you want to send us a love letter or some weird paper crown thing, um, you can do that. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. All y'all out there in Spaceland, all y'all that have your own Enzotis, uh, thanks for tuning in. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.